0: Listening to Knights History Cast, where we have conversations about history. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Central Florida's History Department. I am Dr. Peter Larson, Chair of the Department of History at UCF, and I will be your host for this episode of Knights History Cast. We bring you this podcast regularly to highlight the research of speakers who give talks in the History Department, and oftentimes to highlight the research of our own faculty. In this special episode, We will feature an interview about the research of Simon Barton. Professor Barton joined the Department of History at the University of Central Florida in January of 2017 and suddenly passed away in December of that same year at the age of 55. Simon was a tremendous scholar of international renown and recognition, and also a warm and charming colleague. Before coming to UCF, Simon was a faculty member at the University of Exeter in the United Kingdom. And we were fortunate enough to have known him even for that short time. The Department of History at UCF produced this podcast interview to share the scholarly life and legacy of Simon for those who knew him and for those that never got the chance. The Department of History's Robert Casanello recently talked with Dr. Alan Williams from the University of Exeter about Simon Barton's work and career. Let's listen to their conversation.
1: Professor Williams, I want to thank you for joining me today on our podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Uh,
2: Yes, Uh, my name is Alan Williams. I have been lecturing at the University of Exeter for about five years. I lecture in the history department and I specialize in uh, the uh, medieval period and especially that of uh, uh, the medieval Mediterranean and Spain in particular. And I'm
1: glad you, you joined me today on the, on the podcast. And I, I, in some sense, I'm, I'm really glad to be talking to you and I want to talk to you, but in another sense, I'm you know, a little saddened that we have to have this conversation because um, we want to talk about our colleague, our, our mutual colleague, uh, Dr. Simon Barton, who was here at UCF for, um, for a year, and before that he was at Exeter where you are uh, for quite a long time and sort of built his, his career there. And I want to kind of take this opportunity, since his passing, to talk a little bit about a re- his research and the professor he was. And I thought there was no better person than you to have this conversation. So I do want to thank you for joining me and, and taking the time out to speak to us.
2: It's a great pleasure.
1: OK, and i like to start, I guess, you know, the as a historian, we always want to start in the beginning. And, and do you have a sense of, of where uh, Professor Barton, where he had his his interest in medieval history and maybe did he did he start i'd read some um memorials that he had um he had started with an interest in english medieval history and then moved to spain and iberian medieval history did was there a a reason for that shift or can can you speak to that at all
2: well i mean first of all why medieval and that's quite a difficult question to answer but i think for him It offered the opportunity to speculate about the past, to construct a narrative, to understand it. Uh, I feel it was that period of history which helped uh, to um, hone his craft, so to speak. And um, I think the idea of moving from English uh, medieval history to Iberian history is all part of his evolution you might say as a historian. Initially when he was a, an undergraduate at Aberystwyth he he focused on Anglo-Saxon history and I think that was the first area that he, he really specialised in. Um, and I suppose you might say he was lured to medieval Spain in much the same way um, that he was able to entice or to draw others to this area of study later on. Um, I think he found um, and this is an impression that I gained over the years, I think he found the whole dimension of the medieval Mediterranean, a place of um, visual and intellectual excitement. Iberia was his first love but he was also drawn to the wider conflict between um, Christendom and Islam, to the Crusades and to the glories of Byzantium. Um, and in this respect, I suppose, he was following in the footsteps of his mentor and uh, defil supervisor, Richard Fletcher, uh, at the University of York. But, of course, Simon went a lot further. He taught English as a foreign language in Madrid. He married a Spanish woman and his two children uh, live in Or. Around Madrid today, um, we should perhaps also remember that when he first came to Exeter, he began as a lecturer in the Modern Languages Department, um, teaching Spanish. And languages were to be very important in uh, in his uh, in his research. He uh, he was proficient in a number of European languages including Spanish and French and he he'd also studied Latin and Greek also kn- knew a little Arabic so perhaps this awareness of the cultural and linguistic diversity of the medieval Mediterranean um, contributed to what you might call the Iberian dimension and um, and this was to propel virtually all his future work, his teaching, and um, and his research. Well, great. And, and so
1: I've been trying to um, dive into into his work to get a sense of, of who he was, as a scholar. And one of the interesting things I found, and it's, this really comes out in in the reviews of his first book, uh, "The Aristocracy in Twelfth Century." Leon and Castile, is the idea that he's bringing um, a, a scholarly synthesis to an English language audience. It seemed, I guess, for the first time, if I got that correct. So could, could you speak to the ways that um, Simon's research introduced
2: this kind of history to new audiences? Um, well, I, I can certainly try. Yes. I mean, the, the, the book that you uh, refer to, arose uh, out of his or uh, rose from his PhD thesis um, when he focused on the complexity of aristocratic power in Leon Castile in the reign of um, uh, Alfonso the 7th, the 11th century uh, king uh, 12th century king, I beg your pardon um, he went on to introduce and uh, translate a key text, the Chronica Adolphici Imperatoris, the Chronicle of the um, of the Emperor Alfonso. He translated this into English, um, very readable translation. He also provided a, um, an introduction, and this translation was to become, uh, for many, a key authoritative work which documented the small and large events of Alfonso's uh, reign so i think he saw translation as a key element in increasing and encouraging uh, students um understanding of the historical background of the areas that they were studying um so his work had a, seems to me to have had a key uh, pedagogic dimension um and what he did gave his teaching and I think this is very important uh, in um, in any kind of discussion of the success he had Um, he gave him a kind of accessibility Um, his own abilities as a communicator infiltrated his teaching um, and this was accompanied with his enthusiasm and the sense that things were moving forward, and that uh, nothing was ever static. There was a sense of momentum about what he was doing, and I think, and believe this, that uh, this greatly impressed um, not just his colleagues, but the students with which he worked as well. And his courses were always very um, popular and well, uh, well supported.
1: And one of the things when I read the introduction to his first book I noticed and uh, you know and I'm sure this is pretty common with with um, scholars works but he recognized the, the lack of attention and lack of sources on women in medieval Spain almost apologizing for it <laughs> in a sense I felt he was it sort of had that kind of, of candor to it and um, his next book on uh, titled Conquerors Brides and Concubines Interfaith Relations and social power in medieval Iberia. I, I sort of felt since this is about the the um, lives of women, the sexual lives of women across faith. I kind of felt like maybe um, Simon was correcting what he felt was a, a shortness in his first work with this second work devoted exclusively to the sexual lives of women. I mean, am I? Do you get a sense at all that that might have been sort of the impetus for this work?
2: Um, Yes, possibly. I mean, I felt that uh, he, in his second work, which was part of a um, a prolonged project, he was able to um, explore areas that had been um, not ignored, but but perhaps neglected over um, by earlier scholars. I mean, it's all very well to talk about the lack of sources, in fact the lack of sources is a general problem relating to our understanding of 12th century Iberia Richard Fletcher for example um, Simon's mentor uh, described the whole period as a historiographical desert so it's not just the absence of women that is a a problem though uh, the absence of women is, is a particular difficulty and I think Simon, as you, as you quite rightly commented, was well aware not just of the fact that he hadn't dealt with this issue very thoroughly in the past, but that no one had, um, and he was desperately and powerfully interested in how politics, how power politics was exercised in medieval Iberia, and uh, and of course then he had this remarkable opportunity to pursue this particular issue over a period of time um, and as you, as, uh, as you may be aware this interest was not limited to Leon Castile um, but also to Al-Andalus uh, and the influence of, and authority of women in the Caliphate of Cordoba um, as well as to the status of women as revealed in some of the other contemporary texts that were to emerge at this time not necessarily women uh, who exercised a great deal of power but women whose lives were affected by the kind of um, legislation and tradition that operated in Iberia so um, you might say that uh, the overall exercise of power and the ways in which religion and self-interest and I think fear as well uh, served to govern policy and determine behavior were issues that he was um, keen to explore and I think the study this particular study has added immensely to our understanding not just of the particular subject that he wrote, but also in understanding the wider view of uh, Christian Muslim relations in Iberia over um, over an, uh, an important period of time a, a period of time in which the relationship was to change um, so it, it provided an extraordinarily important enriching element. In they in that overall study, and I think that was something which infiltrated his teaching. It was something which um, his courses with students reflected, and uh, so he, he, he it was not just a study that he made. It was something that influenced his whole outlook when it came to um, working with students and uh, determining um, the way in which we might understand the, 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 the uh, politics of that period and time. Great. Um,
1: one other thing, and this is, I guess, the last thing I really want to talk to you about is I know uh, Simon, you know, based on writings, you know, and things he said casually had a real fondness for the mentors who impacted him and the professors who sort of touched him in a very personal way, yes, uh, yeah. in a very intimate way and I you know one of the things I noticed and you've written about this previously is the way ways in which Simon also touched his students and mentored his students who went on to have successful careers of their own and and are budding scholars at the moment and I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit
2: well yes I mean particularly uh, the experience of those students I I knew reasonably well I mean what he had a he had he was a man of rare gifts I think I think that was um that's acknowledged by everyone and one of his gifts was to make me and and others feel feel cheerful I mean that might seem a almost a trivial observation but it seemed to me to um, make a great difference to the kind of relationship which we we were to have. I mean, whether we were in the in a, in a formal setting of an office or whether we were uh, discussing issues uh, related to teaching in one of the many fine pubs in Exeter, um, he enthused me and he infused others as we discussed. Um, projects, teaching and encouraging students to become excited at the prospect of Uh, of studying medieval Spain. He is also importantly involved in the Society for the Medieval Mediterranean. He was its president, he had been its president since I think 2013 Um, and he was a fine, fine president. Innovative and creative and hard-working and uh, his aim Uh, I was also on the involved as the Secretary of the Society and we discussed ways in which we could um, make the Society appeal to younger scholars and and how we might take it forward so it was he he was always sort of bursting with ideas and he always had a string of PhD students either waiting in the wings or pursuing their particular areas of research and I'm quite sure it was partly due to his um, his qualities uh, as a human being as well as his scholastic ability, the two were hard to separate in a sense um, I mean he was never with whether it was with a first year undergraduate or whether it was one, with one of his colleagues or a PhD student he was never pompous or overbearing um, he never seemed particularly to be concerned to impress people and of course as a result, he was all the more impressive um, and he endeared himself to students and colleagues alike almost uniquely I would say um, and uh, when people went when people went to see him, and I watched him with students many times and he he was, he always had a very kind of positive approach to them if they said something which they might years later have thought to have been palpably ridiculous. He would never give them that impression. He was always, he was always um, ready to build on what they had said so that they could go forward with, uh, with confidence, but also with increase, increased understanding. I mean, as well, as far as my own, um, my own association with him was concerned, as I, I've said on a previous occasion, um, the times we spent together were joyous, but they were all too short.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the things that that, that I've been thinking about since since his passing, if, if At the end of my career if i'm a a quarter of the scholar that that simon was i think that would be an achievement but more so if i was a quarter of the person simon was i think that also would be an achievement he was just such a generous colleague such a generous person And i think you know i I hope people will will, who hear this podcast will immediately go out and just learn about who the who the man and who the historian was um that was
2: simon barton scholastically generous i think you know he was he was, a, he was very remarkable, and I think he would be surprised, because of his natural humility, that we are even making this podcast. <laughs> anyway, sure, I'm
1: sure he would. Professor Williams, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time out.
0: That's a pleasure. That was Robert Casanello and Alan Williams remembering Simon Barton. For Knight's History Cast, I'm Peter Larson. Please subscribe to this podcast to hear future interviews and conversations.